Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 15 of Exodus chapter 3 this morning. You follow along as I, as I read. The Bible reads this way. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, The cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover, unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Let's pray. My Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to be here this morning, and I 
Thank you for the service to this point. And Lord, I pray that your grace would work in and through me. Lord, I ask that you would be able to take this message and use it in the hearts and lives of your people. Father, I pray that if there's one here this morning that does not know you, that they would come to know you, or those that are watching via the Internet and Facebook or uh, Twitter or YouTube, whatever it may be, Father, I pray that you would touch their hearts. Be with the Christians here this morning. I ask you for this. I pray that you would comfort and encourage their hearts. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to speak to you on the encounter. The encounter. How many people this week, how many people now, you need to interact with me here. How many people this week had a misunderstanding with somebody? Anybody have a misunderstanding with somebody? Raise your hand. If you had a misunderstanding with somebody, okay. Yeah, there's quite a few people. And misunderstandings, they really happen all the time, don't they? And uh, most often, you know, if you read leadership books and things like that, and, 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 but ju- just f- figure out human nature and wh- the way society works, most often misunderstandings happen because of a lack of communication or miscommunication. You know, uh, uh, one of the, the worst things that, that uh, have been developed And one of the best things is email and texting. But in email and texting, there can be a lot of misunderstandings that go on. Why? Because you really can't read the body language of the person. You can't hear the tone, you know. That's why they say when you're emailing, don't put it all in caps because that's like you're yelling, you know. (laughs) But misunderstandings, we know that they happen all the time. A secondary reason why misunderstandings happen is because you really don't know the person. You you think one thing about the person, you've heard some things about a person, but then you meet them to find out that they were nothing like you thought they were. Has that ever happened to you? That's happened to me, where I've heard something about somebody and I mean, wow, uh, and you, you want to believe the best about people, but sometimes human nature takes over, you know, and, and, and you start thinking maybe something negative about the person, and so there's a misunderstanding there, but then you meet them and you find, wait a second, that's not the way they are at all. See, misunderstandings, they can be simple, simple and harmless, but they also can be complicated and very dangerous. But I believe the most... Uh, 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 the most misunderstood person is God. I think God is more misunderstood than anybody has ever been throughout history. See, he's misunderstood by Christians. Many Christians misunderstand God. But he's also misunderstood by those who don't know Christ. But why is this the case? Why is God misunderstood? It's all because people are ignorant of God. They don't know God. See, this is the reason for the much of the church's weakness that we see today. 
And this is the reason for much of the individual uh, Christian's weakness in their life. It's because you and I really don't understand God or we misunderstand God. And what we find in this portion of Scripture is that we see that God has an encounter with Moses so that Moses will know him. See, that's the emphasis of this passage that Moses is to get to understand and to know who the God of Israel is. See, friends, this morning, this is what I want you to remember, that God has made himself known, and he wants you to know him. God has made himself known, and he wants you to know him. Many times people who grow up in the church, they, they think, well, oh, yeah, I know God. I would dare say that most people know about God but they don't know God. Most Christians today know something about God, but they really don't know God. And friends, this morning, God has made himself known, and he wants you to know him. This passage of Scripture is probably one of the most memorable in all of Scriptures. Many who are not even Christians or grew up in the church have heard about Moses and the burning bush. And this narrative is more than just a bush on fire that wasn't burning up. This narrative in Scripture, it's vital. This is vital to our very understanding of who God is. See, you say, well, why is this important to me? Why should I continue to listen to this message? Because knowing what God is like informs how we see ourselves and the world around us. See, knowing what God is like and, 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 and how that knowledge informs and informs us how we see ourselves and the world around us. See, God desires an encounter with you and with me so that we can know him. Remember, our series is called Called Out to Call In. What? We're called out of the world and called into what? We're called from serving the world to what? Called to serving and God. We're called from knowing the world to what? Called to knowing God. And we've got to remember that Exodus is just not a bunch of history. Exodus is our story. It's for us as believers to see where we once were and to see where God wants us to go. I want us to see this morning how we can encounter God in two specific ways. We encounter God in two specific ways. First, write this down if you would. You encounter God in life events. You encounter God in life events. Take a look at verses 1 through 6 if you would with me please. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and beheld, the bush was burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place where thou art whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid 
to look upon God. We've got to remember, Moses has just fled Egypt here uh, uh, some 40 years earlier, if you will, and he was still known as a murderer and as a, fug a fugitive, but now, after these 40 years, he's settled into life. All of us want to go back to, not to, we don't want to relive 2020. None of us wants to relive 2020. You want to know why we don't want to relive 2020? We want to go back to 2019. Or we, want, or we want to skip to 2021. The reason that we don't want to go back and, and relive 2020 is because it took us out of our comfort zone. Everything that we knew was changed and turned upside down. And we really haven't been able to settle into life. You're turning on the news every day to find out what's going on. Like, okay, what's happening now? What's the next thing that I can't do? What's the next thing that I've got to do? What's the, you know... And we want to just settle into life. We like settling into life. And Moses here, he had fled as a fugitive and as a murderer, and now he's settled into life. He's gone from being a statesman to a shepherd. And this day started out like every other day, taking out the sheep to graze in the wilderness. But this day, Moses, by chance, decides to look for greener pastures. And he takes the flock of his father-in-law to the backside of the desert to Mount Horeb. This is also known as Mount Sinai. It's called the Mount of God. And Moses' seemingly ordinary day turns out to be anything but ordinary. As a matter of fact, this day in the life of Moses, it alters his course of life and the course of life for the people of Israel. See, whenever you encounter God, it's to get you from settling in to get to know him. It's to move you from your comfort zone of where we are at in our knowledge of him to be able to grow deeper in knowing him. Moses, in this portion of Scripture, he, he encounters what we call the burning bush, but in all reality, it was on fire, but the bush was not burning. After watching this, as you know, Moses is amazed to see that the, the bush is not consumed, and so he gets a closer look to see what's going on, and he realizes that this is no ordinary flame. This, this fire was not typical of anything that he's ever seen in his life he realizes that there's something extraordinary. Take a look at verse 3, if you would. And it says, And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. He knew that there was something extraordinary here. And as he approaches the bush, God calls out to Moses from the bush. I don't know about you, but I think at this point, I would have started looking around. All right, where's the candid camera? Who's, who's, who's playing a trick on me now? Wait a second. Something is not right here. Moses goes towards the bush, and God calls to Moses twice out of the bush, and Moses responds by, here am I. God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he was on holy ground. You say, wait a second, what was so holy about that? Now listen, here you go. The reason that, that ground was holy was because God was there. 
The reason that the ground was holy was because God was there. See, what does it mean to be holy? When we say that God is holy, he's talking about his distinctiveness. He's different. God's not like us. He's glorious. He's, he's majestic. And then God reveals himself to Moses. Take a look at verse 6. It says, moreover, he said, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. See, God let Moses know that he wasn't just any God, but he was the one and only God. And Moses instinctively reacts and hides his face. Moses was afraid to look upon God. And this was the correct response. Take a look at Exodus chapter 33, if you would, please. Exodus chapter 33. See, the point is, when you have an encounter with God through life's events, you'll know that something's different. Take a look at verse 33. Moses instinctively turns away from God. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 20. And he said, Thou, speaking of God, thou canst not see my face, for thou shalt no man see me and live. See, Moses here this morning, he was experiencing the holiness and glory of God like never before. Now, I want you to think about something. Isn't it interesting how God revealed himself to Moses? He revealed himself by fire. God could have revealed himself by a cloud. God could have revealed himself by the wind. He could have revealed himself just by a voice, but he revealed himself by fire. I want you to think about this. Fire draws us in, doesn't it? There is nothing better than a fire in a fireplace on a cold, snowy night. Now, during this time of year, what do we think? We start thinking about chestnuts roasting on an open fire. You know, they, that, that, everybody's starting to think about that, right? I mean, Wow. Why? Because that, that's just something that's very special. It draws us in. But we also know to keep our distance from fire. You say, what's the point, Pastor? Listen, God's love and grace, things that draw us in, does not take anything away from his righteousness and holiness. See, this is what I want you to understand. When you encounter God, and when I encounter God in the everyday events of life, the point is that God's not your buddy. He's not your bro. He's not your homeboy. See, the point is that we're trying to see here this morning that you and I, we are not to treat God lightly. God is one of the most misunderstood individuals, if you will, beings, persons of all eternity. See, Moses was going about his day, and it was in his regular schedule that he encountered God. See, the first way that you and I encounter God is in our life events. And when we encounter him, he wants us to learn something from that encounter. But take a look secondly this morning. You encounter God in his character. Verses 7 through 15, you encounter God in his character. Not only do you encounter God through life events, but you encounter God in his character. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 15. 
And the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large, unto a flowing, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain." And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Not only does Moses encounter God through life's events, but now Moses encounters God through his character. I want us to go back just for a moment to the holiness of God. Because this is very rarely preached upon in our modern day churches today. And this is what we are to understand about God. God is holy. That means, now listen, I've already stated this once, I'm going to state it again. That means he is not like us. That means he is different and distinct from us. Remember, I stated to you that God is the most misunderstood of all. See, because God is distinct and different from us, what that means is that we should not try and create God to be like us. Amen. See, I said that the people of God, Christians, they're ignorant of God, they don't know God, and how, how can you say that, Pastor? That seems kind of harsh. Because if we are not careful, us as believers, we try and create God in our image. We try and create God the way we want God to be, the way we think God ought to be, the way we think God ought to act, the way we think God ought to respond, the way we think that God ought to be loving, the way we think God ought to judge, the way we think God ought to bless. We think that and we've created a God in our own image, which, friends, is idolatry. Amen. See, this means that we are not to create God in our image. And what God is trying to teach us here is that the holiness of God is the basis for Israel's conduct. But not only is it the basis for Israel's conduct, why? Because Exodus is our story. The holiness of God is the basis for our conduct as believers. Turn over to 1 Peter, if you would, please. 1 Peter chapter 1. 
The holiness of God is the basis for each believer's conduct. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, but as he which hath called you is holy, has not God, if you're saved, God's called you, hasn't he? Thank you for the few that said amen. Amen. If you're saved, God has called you. Just because you have a mask on doesn't mean you can't say amen, okay? Thank you. But he which hath called you is holy. So since he's called you, since he saved you, in what Peter's saying, take a look. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now that's an old English word for conduct. He's saying, so be holy in all the way that you live. So that includes our conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen. See, the way our, life, our lives are to be lived is based on and from the holiness of God. Amen. And as I stated earlier, God and his holiness means that he's different and distinct from us. A, a word that theologians use, and, and you might want to note this, is called transcendence. That means that God's above us. That that means that God is bigger than us. See, the whole message this morning is based around that God wants to have an encounter with with you so that that way you can know him. And the reason that I mention this, and I'm so strong on this, is because we live in a day and age, folks, where people believe that they have a right to define God. They want to make God in their image. And I'm sure you've heard somebody, or maybe you've said it this way. You've, you've said it yourself. Have you ever heard this? Well, God wouldn't do that. Well, if there was a God, he would. See, what's happening when we or others make statements like that, we're making God a concept and not a reality. Amen. And God is not a concept He is a reality that sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. My friends, God's not going to allow anybody to define who he is. God gets to define who God is. And we don't have a right to define God. What if I, think about this. What if I said to you, I believe that a horse is an animal that only has two legs. I believe that's what a horse is. I believe that a horse is an animal that only has two legs. How many of you would agree with me? Just slip your hand up if you agree that a horse only has two legs. You say, well, that's foolish, pastor. A horse has four legs. Well, how do you know? I I can see that. You know, that's exactly what we do with God when we're not careful. We start to make God... We start to define God. You say, well, I can't see God. You see him in his word. God gets to define who God is. See, this is exactly what people try and do to God. They want to make him into what they want God to be. And guess what, friends? Nobody has a right to do that. 
God has defined himself in his word, and he has let himself be known. God says to Moses, I am that I am. You know what he's saying? God is, say, is saying, I have been who I've always been. Others do not shape me. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I will be who I will be. You say, well, how does this pertain to what Moses is going through? Well, Moses is learning the character of God because he's getting ready. Moses, with God's help, is getting ready to go up against the little I am. Who's that? Pharaoh. See, Pharaoh thought that he was the I am. Pharaoh thought that I am the most powerful king in the world. I am uh, and I have the most advanced technological country in the world. I am the most brilliant. I am the most effective. I am the most efficient in this world. And what we're getting ready to see here in Exodus is there's going to be a war between the two I am's and the war's not going to go too well for Pharaoh. See, but God is not only transcendent, he's above us, but this portion of scripture also shows us something else about the character of God. It shows us that he is imminent. Take a look at verse 8. God takes a personal interest. He's imminent. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. See, God is taking a personal interest in the rescue of Israel from the Egyptians. If you look, you can see in verse 9, he says, I heard their, the, the cry. In verse 9, he says, I saw the oppression in verse 10, he talks, I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, children, out of, out of Egypt. God takes a personal interest in the Jewish people. And he calls Moses to be his tool. Amen. See, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then not only is he holy and he is above us, he's transcendent, but he's also imminent. Just like he was transcendent over uh, all of creation, over the nation of Israel, over Moses and over us, he is just as imminent for us as he was for Moses. He's just as imminent for us as he was for the nation of Israel. Amen. But take a look at Moses' response. Verse 11, And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Who am I? Did you notice that God did not go down and give a description to Moses of who God felt that Moses was? In verses of four, of verse 14 and 15, God gives his response. Take a look at verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And, the God, and God said moreover unto Israel, Thus shalt say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Amen. See, God wasn't too concerned about what Moses thought about, well, who am I? See, 40 years earlier, Moses had done something really good. He made a decision not to identify himself with the Egyptians. He made a decision to identify himself with the people of God. But 40 years earlier, Moses also did something that was very bad. He assumed authority that had not yet been given to him. 
And he was trying to deliver the nation of Israel by his own strength. And he failed miserably. See, the question, Moses' question here was focused on himself. He was wrapped up in himself. It was a question of identity. And today, many, many, many of us were just like Moses. God wants to have an encounter with us, and he's encountering us through life events, and he wants to show us his character so that we can know him and, and know ourselves better and be able to do his work. But, but we start saying, but who am I? See, we're wrapped up in our identity. You know what we do? We say, I'm in control. I have it all together. I can take care of this. You know what I found? You know what life teaches us, friends? Life teaches us that we're not in control. Amen. And the more we try to control, the less we're in control. Amen. And it leads to plenty of problems in our life. Amen. What about this? Not only do I say I'm in control, but I am what I do. My question for you is what happens when you retire then? I am what I own. What happens when you lose everything that you own? Amen. You don't have the financial means anymore. What happens to us is that we allow all different kind of institutions and, and people to shape and give us our identity. Like I am a businessman. I am a lawyer. I am a pastor. I am a mom. I am a nurse. I am powerful. I am rich. I am, I am, I am. And Moses was caught up in the fact that he was looking at himself and he was saying, I can't undertake this task. When Moses says, who am I? God answers with, in verse 12, I will be with you. God is saying to Moses that your identity is tied to my identity. God says, I will be with you. I'm not concerned about who you are. It's not about you, Moses. It's not about what you can do or you can't do. I will be with you. See, it's God who's going to make the difference. So this morning, friends, we can base our sense of self not upon who I am or what I can do or how much I can accomplish, but when we know God, we can base our sense of self upon Him. It doesn't the New Testament, it puts us this way. It says that we are predestined, what? To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. See, the believer in Christ, we find our confidence, we find our hope and worth knowing that God is for us and that he will be with us. See, friends, this morning God is above us and he knows all that's going on. God's with us to protect us, to provide for us, and to lead us. But the reason that many times we don't see the victories in our lives the way that we should is because we really don't know God. See, friends, we don't need a higher self-esteem. We need a greater knowledge of God. Amen. One man put it this way. God said to Moses, I'll be with you. You can walk through life with me. 
You can base yourself of sense on your knowledge of me. You can find your confidence and worth in knowing that I am there for you and here with you. You can know that I am with you in your achievements and, and in your failures. It's not going to affect your status. I will be with you. See, God is very much misunderstood today. Moses was just going about his life. It was an everyday event. He was doing the same thing that he always did. But it became one of the most important times in his life through everyday events. And he got to know the character, just a little bit of the character of God. This is what I want you to take home and I want you to remember throughout the week. God has made himself known and he wants you to know him. My friends, you may not know Christ as your personal Savior, but he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins so that that way you can have an encounter with him. You don't have to pay for your sins. Matter of fact, you can't pay for your sins. Jesus Christ has done that for us. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you had an encounter with God? When was the last time you had an encounter with God? That might say something about ourselves, huh? Do you know that you can encounter God every single day. The Bible tells us that if we diligently seek Him, the Bible tells us that if we draw nigh unto Him, He'll draw nigh unto us. God tells us that if we humble ourselves, but He resists the proud. See, every day you can and I can have an encounter with God. And we can get to know him better so that we don't have to go around saying, who am I? I, I can't do this. I can't do life. And let's face it right now, life's pretty difficult. It's very difficult. Our nation's a mess. Our churches are a mess. Christianity is a mess. And we look at it and we say, I can't do this. And you know what our, our, our out is? And I'm not, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious in any way. Our out is so many times, well, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And we want to pray for that. Amen. We do. I, I wrote that down this morning in my journal. I said, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. But we don't know the day nor the hour. So since we don't know that, what are we supposed to do until the Lord comes back? We are to be lights set upon a hill. We're to be different than the world. And the only way that we can be different from the world is when we have an encounter with God and we know him. So until Christ comes back, it shouldn't be, well, who am I? 
No, it should be, look at who he is. When was the last time you had an encounter with God? Hey, folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. It's written by a friend of mine. What other religions don't tell you about the Bible. And then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below. Click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.